Looks like we've reached our magic number. Okay, good evening, Chairperson Sellers. Whenever you're ready, I'll go ahead and read the uh, disclosure statement for the public as far as the uh, virtual meetings go. All right, well, we have six total, so we can definitely conduct business. So you are ready to go. Sounds good. Thank you all. I'm Dr. Ferris Muhammad, Director of Equity and Inclusion for the City of Lawrence. Um, I'll be facilitating the Zoom meeting tonight. Here are a few housekeeping items for this virtual meeting. Uh, this meeting is being broadcast and recorded on the City of Lawrence YouTube channel. The public chat function is disabled. All chat will go directly to me. When you are not participating in the meeting, please mute your microphone. When you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, please turn your video off. You'll still be able to hear the meeting. You can turn your video back on when you are participating. Turning your video off when you are not participating, allow the active meeting participants to be seen on the screen. If you have any trouble, please send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute microphones and or turn off people's video to minimize distractions. Please remember to state your name every time you speak for the benefit of those listening remotely. And now I'll turn the meeting over to Chairperson Sellers. There we go. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Dr. Muhammad. We will go ahead and get started. Commissioners, I hope you received your email link with your agenda items on them. So we will start with, since we do have an abbreviated agenda to allow us time to meet with our subcommittees, we'll go ahead and start with the approval of our May 10th meeting minutes. So, I so to approve the minutes from May 10th. This is, uh, this is Commissioner uh, Emerson, uh, I second that movement. Thank you, Commissioner Barnett, for the motion and for Commissioner Emerson for the second. So we'll do some dual duties here with our minutes and our roll call. I'll go ahead and do that. Commissioner Logan. Present. Commissioner Buxom. Here. Commissioner Haswood. Here. Commissioner Sheldon Sherman. Here. Commissioner Barnett. Here. Commissioner Emerson. Here. Commissioner Sellers present. So now we are moving, we're voting on the motion to approve the May 10th meeting minutes. Commissioner Logan. Aye. Commissioner Bluxom. Aye. Commissioner Haswood. Aye. Commissioner Sheldon Sherman. I abstain. Commissioner Barnett. Aye. Commissioner Emerson. Aye. Commissioner Sellers, aye. Motion carries 6-0. Thank you, commissioners. Moving on to our agenda items. Agenda item number one, the receiving of our case report, monthly case report. That's from Ms. Afoka. You now have the floor. Thank you, Chair Sellers. My name is Elizabeth Hafoka, and I am the supervising city prosecutor here. And I am giving the monthly case report. Um, I uh, provide information about open discrimination cases that we have, and also information about um, inquiries that we have received that did not result in a complaint being filed. So currently we have one open investigation that involves an allegation of public accommodations discrimination and the basis is race. Uh, we have zero cases closed since our last meeting, but we still have the case where there is a probable cause finding in March and the conciliation efforts are ongoing. And I believe that they will be wrapped up um, very shortly based on information that I have received. The following inquiries were not discrimination related and were handled as described. And you can follow along in the written agenda item. So there was a caller, uh, no sound was admitted. There was no voice and that phone call was ended. There was another caller who requested information about the rules of eviction during COVID. 
and we referred that person to housing and credit counseling. Uh, one complainant did submit an online intake form alleging housing discrimination, but because of a conflict of interest, that complainant was referred to HUD. We received a second online intake form alleging housing discrimination, and that was from the landlord of the previous complainant that had submitted the form. We called that uh, landlord and explained that that person had been referred to HUD due to a conflict of interest. There was a caller who was looking for the finance department, dialed the wrong number. We provided the correct number. Another caller wanted to sell us the ability to accept debit and credit card payments. We explained we do not accept money in our office. A uh, landlord called and wanted to know whether they should approve or deny two applicants. One met the minimum rental criteria, but the other one didn't. And we explained that we cannot give legal advice and could not say whether or not we would accept a complaint for investigation should a person file one involving the situation. A uh, caller from my credit union wanted to verify employment with the city and they were referred to human resources. A caller said that he had the wrong number and then hung up. One caller wanted to verify employment and was referred to human resources. Another caller said he had the wrong number and hung up. Uh, we had a caller reach out to us, said that his dwelling had flooded several times and his asthma and the mold in the dwelling was affecting his breathing. He did explain that his doctor had written a note and the landlord was not responsive to that. And so we explained the complaint process and legal protections for reasonable accommodations based on disability. He said that he would call back to schedule an interview that Friday because he had class uh, the next day on Thursday, but we have not heard from him since. Uh, we had one caller said that they received a corrupt email from the city employee, wanted to know if that person existed. Um, we were able to provide that email address. Another caller wanted to speak with someone who handles translation services, and we provided them the number to the city mainline. We had a caller state that uh, their landlord is forcing every individual uh, in their residence area to switch to central air, and they wanted to understand their rights regarding that, so we referred them to housing and credit counseling. Uh, we received a call that a landlord was not complying with maintenance requests, and um, told her that um, the Kansas Landlord Tenant Act did not apply, so we referred them to housing and credit counseling. We had a caller report that a tenant in another unit is harassing him about the size of his genitalia by speaking to him through the air conditioner exhaust and the light fixtures. Um, he did also say that when friends come over, they do not hear those voices, but he hears those voices. And then we suggested that he contact a Lawrence Police Department uh, mental health officer or a neighborhood resource officer to assist him. He did say that he is engaged in services with Burton Ash. We had a landlord reach out to us. They wanted to install sound barriers because a tenant is bringing in an emotional support animal. And they were inquiring as to what was a reasonable amount for a landlord to pay for an accommodation before denying that accommodation. And we explained that we cannot give legal advice and could not provide an opinion on what constituted a reasonable solution under the law, but we did inform um, them of their option for private counsel to help them with this legal question. Um, one thing that I did not include in the case report update was I gave a presentation to the Human Services Coalition on June 10th about our office and the process for filing a complaint that was uh, more closely related to employment discrimination because that's what was requested. And I also gave a presentation uh, to the Housing Stabilization Collaborative on June 3rd, and that was more focused on uh, housing discrimination complaints and our complaint process. So I wanted to update you on um, those two meetings that uh, we tried to get the word out and explain to the community sort of that we're here, we're able to accept complaints, and I think um, that the the persons involved in, in those meetings appreciated the information. And that's all I have for the case report update. Does anyone have questions? This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Ms. Lofoco, for that uh, report. Um, I will yield my questions to the commissioners before I ask. So commissioners, do you have any questions for Ms. Afoka? 
Hi, uh, this is Commissioner Emerson. Um, I had a, a couple of questions. Um, and in the report, uh, uh, one of the things that you talked about was um, the landlord had uh, requested if he could deny um, the applicants um, and he, you know, was referred that this is not something um, that we were able to provide legal advice on. Um, my question is, uh, what was the grounds are, um, of that? Mm, yeah, I, I suppose, what, what, what was the grounds of them wanting to deny that application? The information that was provided was that one person that wanted to live there met the minimum rental criteria and the other one did not. So there were two people applying, one met their criteria, the other one didn't. Thank you. Um, and then the second question um, I am going to yield uh, because it kind of went out of my brain here. So I will let someone else um, ask questions why I will think on what that question was. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Emerson. Are there any other commissioners that have questions? This is Commissioner Bloxham. I have a quick question about the follow-up caller that was supposed to schedule the interview. Um, I, I guess I was, I, I kind of got lost in that process. Did we, did we, did our office say, or did your office say that you did want to go forward and do an interview? Yes, we explained to him that we were available and would um, accept his complaint based on the information that we had. And I actually spoke with him. Uh, he was a student and was concerned about class he had the next day um and said that he would be reaching back out to us to schedule an interview and look into filing a complaint we did not hear back from him so at that point wouldn't we get his just i'm just asking this is again for procedures at that point when we know that somebody has a pretty solid case that we're we're interested in going forward with an interview wouldn't we at that point get his contact information yes and um, certainly uh, advise him of his opportunity to file a complaint if he chooses not to do that, though we don't um, force him to do that. But is there a follow-up call? Was there, has there been a follow-up call? Just sounds like he's a busy student. Maybe you weren't there when he tried to call back. I, I'm just feeling like we have something here that's kind of reputable and, and I'm wondering, what our procedure is now, not that you're not, I'm not placing any blame. I'm just, if we're trying to make the system better, would it, I'm, we're not saying we're going to force, but perhaps follow up on that call just for timeliness sake. There was not a follow-up call. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, this is Commissioner Emerson. Uh, thank you, uh, Commissioner Blossom, because that actually reminded me of, of the question. I was just kind of curious, um, uh, are there any existing procedures? And if so, what are they when it comes to um, following up on uh, calls that come into the office? Uh, this is Elizabeth Hafoka again, supervising city prosecutor. We, I think I explained this last time. So if we receive a call from someone who is wanting information or wanting to speak with an investigator, we talk to them right then. Unless we're not available, we're in court, or for some other reason, we can't take their call. In which case, we would get their information, we would call them back. Um, so that's the follow-up that we do. If, uh, if someone submits an online intake form or reaches out with an email, we would respond to them. Um, so we we reach out to people who reach out to us and follow up with them. Now this person I did follow up with, he said he was going to get back to us and he did not. Uh, yes, uh, sorry, uh, this is just uh, Commissioner Emerson. That's what I understand. I, I just wanted to make sure that there were no additional um, procedures that have been outlined at this time. This is Commissioner um, Haswood. So, can um, when the, do we know the day that the caller called in and the day that you followed up on? Was is there like a procedure of two to three days or something like that? 
we if we have someone reach out to us and we're unavailable, we will get back to them within 24 hours. I try to do it the same day. And this person actually called when I was in the office and I picked up the phone. So I spoke with him that particular day. It was a Wednesday. Um, and I spoke to him right then. Thank you so much. And with this health issue that we obviously know and what the doctors know and everything, um, there's no like expedited way or um, is this just a normal process that we can't really do much beyond waiting for him to give us a call back? Correct. If he um, chooses to file a complaint with our office, we would be available to accept that. And if he doesn't, then we, um, we, we wait for him to contact us. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This is Commissioner Barnett. Um, I don't know if this is kind of what the some of the commissioners have been trying to ask, but I know that there is kind of a difference between having a complainant and investigating a complaint and as a body hearing a complaint and investigating it on our own. Um, is that kind of what I'm getting? Like, is there an ability if we know that there is a complaint, but someone perhaps doesn't want to come forward? We're not like a law enforcement agency. Is it possible that we can go investigate that complaint generally without a signed complaint from a reporting party, if that makes sense. I, I feel like that might be where we're going with this. Is it possible for us to just do that, to, to look into it? Or is uh, that something we don't have resources for and maybe not a productive um, spending of our time? I'm just curious. Um, Elizabeth Hathoka, Supervising City Prosecutor. We No, we do not. Um, investigate um, allegations that are not the result of a complainant filing a signed complaint with our office, signed and verified. And real quick, and this is Commissioner Sellers and Ms. Afoka, uh, the question I have, and if you don't have an answer, that's fine. As a, do you know, as I think what we're getting to here a little bit maybe is with best practices. So do we know if this is a standard practice for most complaint processes that we utilize under the standard that under the guise of who we are by our designation, is this a practice of not being a not investigating complaints that we know that there's a possibility that there's an infraction? I guess to the point where I'm trying to say is I'm not saying that it should be, but are do you know of examples of other complaint processes where if someone files, you know, there's a some initial fact finding, there's a possibility that there is warrant of a complaint of a violation, but that person, that individual does not get back. Are there other community municipalities that use, that have that mechanism in place that you know of? Uh, this is Elizabeth Hathoka, Supervising City Prosecutor. I am not aware of any investigative agency that does an investigation without a complaint. Thank you. And this is Commissioner Sheldon Sherman. I apologize if you've already answered this question, but I'm new here. Is there a way for claimants to submit an anonymous complaint on the website or even via phone call without giving their name? I understand you don't investigate if you don't have a signed complaint, but is there an avenue through which people can submit anonymous complaints? This is Elizabeth Hafoka, Supervising City Prosecutor. Anyone could call our number, um, our phone number and reach us. Anyone could submit an online, in, online intake form. I am not positive if you have to have a, a name there, I suppose you could submit a fake name or um, maybe leave that field blank. I don't know if it requires that that name field is filled in in order to submit the complaint. Um, certainly an email, we could get an email, um, but we're, I don't believe the statute, chapter 10 allows for an investigation uh, without an aggrieved party, which would be either the complainant or someone that has been aggrieved by the alleged discriminatory act. So someone could submit information, I suppose, 
but without a signed and verified complaint, there would be no formal investigation. Okay, thank you. So, Terrence Muhammad, Director of Equity and Inclusion for the city. Um, to Commissioner uh, Sheldon's Sheldon. point about being new, I'm, I'm wondering if the complaint process, if, uh, if Elizabeth, if you can probably walk through the complaint process to kind of have everybody on the same footing as far as level setting goes. I know I sent out an email a couple weeks ago kind of saying about the complaint process and if it may be value in this meeting going over that. Uh, I know this meeting today was designed to be a shorter meeting to provide the commissioners opportunity to break into their breakout groups and their work groups and kind of flesh out some of their respective work. But uh, Chairperson Sellers, if you believe there may be value in going through the complaint process for five to seven minutes at a high level that may allow the commissioners to ask questions, um, I have it pulled up and probably can share my screen if um, that will work. You, this is Commissioner Sellers, you beat me to the punch. I was going to ask the commissioners if they would want to entertain a brief high level ex, uh, explanation of the process. Um, if you want to bring that up, um, Dr. Muhammad, I would definitely appreciate it. For reference commissioners, that was the May 12th email that Dr. Muhammad sent out that provided that context information and also provided an opportunity for those to email Ms. Afoka directly if they had questions. I will put a shameless plug in to say that this is great conversation um, that could easily be, trans uh, be transferred into um, our breakout sessions later on after our official meeting um, as we take care of the business. So I, I don't want you all to lose that that fire and that zeal, but um, I would like for uh, Ms. Afoka to at least provide us with some high level context to re-familiarize you all with the email that was sent out about a month ago. And then we can use this information to go into our, um, our breakout sessions as we conclude business um, to have some spirited discussion in those subgroup sections. So Ms. Afoka, uh, you now have the floor again. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so this is uh, Commissioner Emerson, and I was uh, wondering if, uh, uh, since we're doing the high level, if, if somehow we can tie in how the budget kind of relates relates to this. Um, I was wondering if that could be tied into it at the high level as well. But this is Commissioner Sellers. I, in any other circumstance, I would be on board with that, but I think in the interest of time and being able to capture an audience while we have it captive, that we allow Ms. Ofoka the space to go over this and then maybe we all need to re-familiarize ourselves with that email from May 12th and then use that that information that you have in mind, capture that in your small groups and then have that be part of your small group work. I understand, Commissioner Chair Sellers, thank you. All right, Ms. Afoka. Okay, so um, Elizabeth Afoka, Supervising City Prosecutor. So my understanding is you want me to give an, an overview of the complaint process um, so the complaint process begins with intake, and uh, it intake the person who um, is alleging the discriminatory act would reach out to our office, and we would do an interview with them and determine if there is jurisdiction for filing the complaint. And if there is jurisdiction, then we would accept the complaint. Uh, that complaint would then um, spark an investigation that is done by uh, one of the investigators, and at the end of that investigation, a case report is prepared uh, detailing the interviews uh, that we've done with witnesses and the documents we've gathered and anything else we've done in the investigation to try to present a full and complete picture of the facts uh, at issue with the discrimination allegation. That case file would then be presented to the executive director of the Human Relations Commission, and the executive director would review the case file and determine if there is probable cause or no probable cause to support the allegations. If there is a probable cause finding, then the uh, parties would move to conciliation, which is um, a process where all the parties can come together and agree on a specific resolution for the complaint. Now, um, that conciliation process can start at the beginning of the investigation, the filing of a formal complaint, and often does take place at the same time that the investigation is ongoing. So sometimes we'll have complaints that are um, conciliated prior to the determination 
and other times they take a little bit longer. If there is a no probable cause finding, the complaint is closed, the case is closed, it is done. Um, and if after probable cause finding there is no uh, conciliation agreement reached, then that complaint could go to public hearing, would be presented to uh, commissioners, just like a formal court proceeding, the rules of evidence are followed, and uh, the commissioners who heard that evidence would make a determination of whether there was a um, discriminatory act or not under our ordinance with housing, but no other, so no employment, no public accommodations, but with housing, either party after a probable cause finding may elect to go to district court for a civil action, which would remove that complaint from the public hearing process in front of the commissioners, but that's only available to housing discrimination complaints. And then if there was a finding of a violation by the hearing commissioners after public hearing, um, then once again, uh, the parties could consider uh, conciliation or a settlement. And um, if there was a finding of no violation, that would be closed. Um, either party could then appeal that to district court and try to gain compliance. Um, if there was a finding of, of discrimination by you know, the enforcement of Chapter 10. That's kind of in a nutshell the procedure for what we do um, in Human Relations Office and investigating discrimination complaints. Thank you again, Ms. Afoka, for presenting. I know that was not planned on your agenda for this evening, but I do appreciate you accommodating and, and making that necessary pivot. So commissioners, does anyone have any questions for Ms. Afoka regarding that high level review of the filing of a complaint process? Uh, this is Commissioner Emerson. The only thing that I would have to um, ask is uh, for individuals um, who this language and terminology is not um, not kind of everyday knowledge and requires like just like, okay, that's cool. That's a lot of words. Um, where would you recommend or suggest um, that they uh, are able to just understand that process a little bit more in, in a way that's more um, accessible to, to uh, the general public? Uh, this is Elizabeth Hifogo, Supervising City Prosecutor. A person can go online to www.lawrenceks.org slash attorney and click on the link to the Human Relations Office and read about the complaint process. In the investigation, a person could call our office and we would uh, explain the investigation process in Chapter 10. Um, and I suppose if someone emailed us, then we would reach out to them and um, explain the process to them. And in a way that ensures that they're understanding what the process is and that um, we provide information that everyone can understand. And it's not just a bunch of words, but actually meaningful to that person, depending on what their level of understanding may be. Um, we also have a little booklet that we will sometimes pass out to um, complainants if they want to take that with them after they filed a complaint or before that explains the process. So um, we would just uh, provide the information that we can, um, ask questions to see if they understand it, and certainly if they uh, need more information, then we would explain it to them. Are there any other questions for Ms. Afoka? Ferris Muhammad, Director of Equity and Inclusion for the City. Uh, to that point, I just received last week uh, two boxes of brochures for the Human Relations Commission, one box in English, the other box in Spanish. So uh, you can speak with me offline to figure out how, if any of you all want to receive any of those to help distribute some of those to the general public or have them stationed somewhere, I'd be more than happy to make sure you all are able to receive those. This is Commissioner Seller. Thank you, Dr. Muhammad. Is that, and just for point of information, yeah. is that the flyer, the booklet that you are referring to, was that scanned and shared in that May 12th email? Was that the document that was included in that? Or is that another? Uh, that, that's another document. Okay. Thanks. 
All right, commissioners, hearing no other questions or comments for Ms. Afoka. Thank you again, Ms. Afoka, for your presentation and for the report. Thank you, Chair Sellers. And I'm actually going to sign off. My sister and um, her children are here from out of town. So I wish you all the best and I will see you in July. Thank you, madam. I appreciate it. Uh, Chair Sellers, you're on mute. Of course I'd be on mute. I've, I've been doing Zoom calls all day and I, only by chance I'd be on mute. So again, we're moving to um, agenda item number two, which is our GEAR Government Alliance on Race and Equity 2021 virtual conference recap. I will turn that over to Dr. Muhammad to tee us off on that conversation. So, Ferris Muhammad, Director of Equity and Inclusion. Uh, last month, uh, May 19th through the 21st, was the Government Alliance on Race and Equity uh, National uh, Conference that was virtual this year based on the pandemic and everything. Um, so there was a few commissioners who were able to attend that conference. Uh, there was funding available for those commissioners to be able to attend that conference, and many did. And so I thought it would be a great opportunity for some of the commissioners to perhaps recap or figure out if they was able to hear and discover any best practices that probably can be implemented here within the city or in our community that can help the, the city as an overall help to advance equity or anything that can be incorporated. As you all were asking questions earlier about the uh, investigation process, if there was anything that you all found to be a value or a benefit that you may think the general public can benefit from your sharing out, I think that would be a great opportunity to uh, launch into that discussion right here. Right. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Dr. Muhammad. So um, I will yield to any commissioners who are on this evening's, in, this, in tonight's meeting that attended the conference that wanted to share out, not all at once. Uh, this is uh, Commissioner Emerson. I had the, uh, just the really awesome opportunity to attend the, the GARE conference. And I think um, one of the things that uh, I think just in general that the, the conference really focused on that was really helpful is just being able to know that, you know, uh, with community, we we have the, we have a lot of resources and where we can really leverage with each other and be able to kind of build these initiatives um, uh, and getting past some of these policies and procedures and really kind of getting down to the work. Um, and, and it really kind of helped me uh, understand. And I think it, it kind of helped just reiterate, there's been a lot of literature out about, you know, leadership and how anyone can lead from where they are. And I, I think that's one of the things that I, I really took from the GARE conference is just, you know, leadership um, is, is not a title. You know, it, it's really just, um, it, it's really just about, you know, you showing up and being willing to do the work. And, and I think that it was just really awesome to be in a space to see so many other individuals do that, um, but also being able to kind of bring that uh, equity lens um, to, to the table, knowing that, you know, you don't have to have the time, you don't have to have, you know, the money, you, you just have to have a willingness um, to, to show up. And I, I think that was one of the things I really took from the, the GARE conference. So thank you for that opportunity. Were there any other commissioners that wanted to share about their experience with the GEAR conference? All right, hearing that, I will share a couple of um, items that I took down on note cards here um, that I've had here. One of the things that I felt really excited about with several of the um, breakout sessions or plenary sessions that were offered were pretty much centered on the value of equitable, equitable community engagement and what that looks like and what are some, um, I don't want to call them best practices, but more like some, some anecdotal stories that were shared. Two in particular, one of the sessions I went to um, were uh, based on work that was done in Decatur, Georgia, and another one was in Durham, North Carolina. Um, the one in Decatur was the, uh, they did what was called a community action plan. 
And so this was essentially um, their, their, their plan on how to be intentional um, with how city government um, interacts and relates, um, shares out their shares out services um, to the community. And so um, just a little background, there's about 25,000 individuals that live who make up the residents of Decatur, 69% are white, 20% black. And so um, this better, this community action plan was a giant lift in the community, but it was one that was, was well received um, there. I don't want to necessarily say that the group that took this on, the commission that took this on is not an, an, a mirror to, our, to us. So it wouldn't necessarily equal to being a, a civil rights commission or human relations commission of that stature, um, but takes on some of the responsibilities that a human relations commission would. And so in particular, the work that was centered around uh, this action plan, it took them about 1300 hours, man hours to create and they had about 200 residents engage in a five hour um, planning session. Um, and they did not pay them. And maybe there was a lunch involved. So um, that was one of the things that, you know, that came up in conversation. And it was like, you had 200 people from the community come and sit for five hours and you didn't pay them. And they were like, yes, that's how important this work was. Um, to the community. And so it, it really focused on building out strategies um, for, uh, for the city to build out that what equitable community engagement looks like. And there is a, I can find the link in my notes to share with everyone to the uh, report. Um, but there are definitely some uh, best, I don't want to say best practices, but some um, tips and tricks that can be gleaned from it that really piqued my curiosity of what they were doing uh, from an engagement standpoint with the community. Um, the group in uh, Durham, North Carolina, which is a majority minority community, talked about uh, the perspective of inequitable community engagement. So a lot of the work that the city was receiving consultation work for in regards to addressing um, inclusion, diversity, and equity was very white-centered and that they felt like using a white consulting group does not speak, does not have the, the, the subject matter enough of the content matter expert needed to in order to engage a majority minority community. And so they looked at it from the idea of, you know, how do we address inequitable engagement? And so one of the things that came out of their, their work was how they've utilized strong community partners who are doing the work that the city would like to do, um, that their local government would like to do. And they're, they're supporting their community um, partners through dollars from the city to assist with city staff support on different um, items. And so um, they've created a development course to um, for, you know, educate um, community partners on um, the RFP process, uh, project planning, contracting, project management. So they're equipping community partners with the tools in order to be a strategic and intentional, strategic as well as intentional partner in addressing some of the local city concerns. And so I thought that was a wonderful, um, that, that I was very engaged and, and, and excited about the work that they were doing with that. And so it's, again, a lot of things centered around intentional uh impactful community engagement and what that looks like in cities addressing some of their concerns and that it doesn't always have to be city centered city staff focused but that city serves as a support for the community that you know in agents and stakeholders in the community that are doing that work um, the last thing I'll um, that I'll talk about focus in regards to data and how we utilize data and how do we how different departments across local government can build up that data to address, um, um, use it to intention to address um, inequities in a form of utilizing it for uh, using GIS platforms, mapping to do um, equity index, to be able to highlight, you know, where are some areas as far as different public health and safety um, concerns that one may have and how do we go about mapping out those resources um, in order to uh, 
to, to address community needs. And so, uh, so that was one that they did. I forget which uh, community it was, but they had something called the Welcoming Business Award. And based on those asset maps and criteria, a little bit of uh, outcome metrics and indi key indicators in that point and how they uh, provided that engagement of uh, different businesses that have a welcoming environment for the different populations that are represented in a community. And then the last, last one, 1A last, um, was a civil rights assessment. And I have to find my notes on this. I started and I know I have notes somewhere on this, but um, I can't remember which community it was, but they did a civil rights assessment. And based on that assessment, they offered to the community um, different um, engagement series and dialogues about um, the importance of, a, you know, I know here in the notes, I said they had an anti-racism series where they had, oh, is it Tim? I can't remember the last name. Um, and I don't wanna butcher his name on record, uh, <laughs> but it was, a, um, they had a series on, anti-racism, and then they also did one on community organizing. And so here, again, these are communities that have entities or iterations of what a, a, a human relation look-alike or at some point um, doing the work and how they've centered their work um, and not to say or incite that these are things that we as a body need to do, as a commission need to do, but it allows us to imagine the possibilities of what this work could look like and, and, and allows us to dream about, is there a possibility uh, for, for to, to implement some of these things? So I share these just as, again, some additional conversation starters within our subgroup. But um, yeah, I, you know, I was really excited about the, the, the entire vibe of a virtual conference. This is probably one of the most enriching virtual conferences. And I've done a lot of virtual conferences this year. This is probably in my top five, maybe even in my top three, as far as um, just the engagement, um, the ease of the platform that, but also just the richness of the information that was shared. So that is, that was a lot of talking. So I am going to pause. And Dr. Muhammad, if you wanted to share some of your insight that I, I, I don't want to speak for the entire commission, but we would love to here, since this is not your first time attending the Gay Air Conference, and, and if you could share that with us. Yes, uh, Ferris Muhammad, Director of Equity and A. Oh, wait. There you're on mute. <laughs> now you're on mute. So, this Ferris, is Commissioner <laughs> Ferris Muhammad, Director of Equity and Inclusion. Um, yeah, so I thought the uh, conference was a great conference. Again, I've attended it uh, several times. I've presented at this conference before when it was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and to Chairperson Seller's point, I thought a lot of the conversation did center on intentionality as well as the use of data, collection of data, analysis of data, and how to do that, go through that process with an equity lens. Uh, I thought one of the sessions that I attended uh, with Chairperson Sellers, in fact, was about sort of the GIS mapping and kind of having a better understanding of sort of locational intelligence, meaning when you look at demography and ge uh, geography, uh, demographics and the location of where people are living and what that looks like historically, when you look at certain cities and redlining and those practices, how do you kind of bring a lot of that data and information, that storytelling up to date? Um, I know a lot of times uh, narrativists or people who engage in narrative inquiry or narrative research um, in a black community often talks about those individuals who are often seen or charged with being sort of keepers of the culture, meaning that you hear those generational stories passed down generation to generation from your grandmother, grandfather, great grandmother. Um, I think even in government um, and locally, I think it's important to have those individuals who can kind of share that history and make sure that that history don't disappear, um, which again, it segues to one of the key things I thought they did that was very well at the conference was a land acknowledgement statement. So people were in the chat would often kind of speak about where they're from or what area they're representing and also talk about the indigenous nature or who was the sort of initially uh, occupiers of that land before that land was taken. Um, so I thought a lot of those different things kind of woven into the conference related or applying that with an equity lens and making sure it was inclusive of all people in that regard. Uh, I thought it was a, the conference overall was very well put together um, over the three days. Uh, so yeah, I'll keep it there. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Dr. Mohammed, uh, for sharing that. And I, 
will say on the note in regards to data and GIS mapping, it, it was noted that, you know, the city does um, have a contract with ArcGIS who is doing their conference virtually this year. And they had noted in that conference, uh, in that plenary session that any um, uh, local government that utilizes a GIS would have free admission to their conference. And that there are several sessions that were being offered that will walk individuals through who utilizes for data mining and, and for presentations on how to look at, you know, training them on the lens of equity and, and whether, you know, global equity is, is, and then some specific in regards to racial equity and things of that nature, they were doing sessions specific to that. And so there was an opportunity for some of our users within the city who, who dabble in this work with GIS that they could attend the conference and, and, and be uh, immersed in, in that understanding. So I thought that was pretty interesting as well. Commissioners, do you have any questions for Commissioner Emerson, Dr. Muhammad, or myself in regards to the to the GARE conference or things that we gleaned from that that opportunity? This is Commissioner Barnett. Uh, Chair Sellers, I do have a question about um, the um, Decatur Action Plan. So we have our city's strategic plan. Um, that's what we use as the basis to do our crosswalk and form the subcommittees we're gonna work on this evening. Um, is there, is the um, Decatur action plan different than the city's strategic plan? I gather that it is in that it specifically states what the city is going to do to achieve their strategic goals. Is that, is my assumption correct? This is Commissioner So it's yes, in simple terms, Commissioner Barnett, yes. This document was a little bit more exhaustive than, I would say than the strategic plan for the city. Um, I think there's some opportunities for overlap and um, not to give anyone homework, but I would say it's a good reference document, a point of reference to, to have in our subcommittee work, um, just to review it. Because um, again, if these are things that we're wanting to, you're wanting to look at or have as a guidance or a reference in your discussions, I would, I would strongly suggest um, I'm looking it up. And I mean, again, it's called Better Together. And if you look at Better Together Community Action Plan, Decatur, Georgia, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find it. And I'll type that up in the chat as well um, for those who want a reference to it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there's some opportunities for overlap um, since their plan was a little bit, and it's been a while since I reviewed it, but I would say there, in short terms, there's some opportunities for overlap that hits, that touches upon a lot of the commitments and, and outcomes that are highlighted in our strategic plan. By ours, I mean the city. Sure. Thank you so much. This is Commissioner uh, Emerson. I, I was just going to make a, a note on uh, Dr. Muhammad's uh, note on, you know, just the importance of, of history, you know, and being able to not let that history get lost. Um, and so, you know, just want to uh, just take mindfulness that, you know, this week um, on June 19th is uh, Juneteenth. Um, and as the Human Rights Commission, I, I believe that we, you know, should make note of that in remembrance of culture and not letting that story get lost. Um, and then I just think about, you know, the importance of making sure that, you know, that goes the same for our education system is, you know, just making sure that that history is being taught. So um, thank you, Dr. Hammett, uh for making that note. So go ahead, uh, Chair Sellers. I do believe Dr. This is Commissioner Sellers. I do believe Dr. Muhammad had comments you wanted to make. Yes, uh, Ferris Muhammad, Director of Equity and Inclusion. I wanted to mention that uh, the information that we covered as far as the recap of the GEAR conference, it's all on the uh, GEAR website. And I did have uh, the three-day conference pulled up with the agendas. Um, uh, so you can see like the name of the different sessions as well as the description for it. And I believe the one that uh, Chairperson Sellers was speaking to earlier that I was not in attendance in um, is we are better together, capacity building and community contracting through community engagement. And I have those pulled up if you think it's some value in me sharing the screen and um, anybody who wanna 
if that can serve as a mnemonic to help better discuss what was uh, discussed in those sessions, I could do that, or I can provide the link and send that out as far as the website goes. This is Commissioner Sellers. Um, if you could send the link out, Dr. Mohammed, then that so that we, in the interest of time and <laughs> me wanting to 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 at least get us out on a, on a, in a decent hour so that we can have that subcommittee group time. I'm really excited because I think since I've started chairing these meetings, this is the first time we've been able to <laughs> adjourn at a, at, a, at a decent time. I know we do have additional work that we're doing afterwards, but um, I, I think I, I will leave that as a challenge to the commissioners to, if you want to provide the link and then, we, they can either reference that in their subcommittees or, or have some spirited discussion about it um, and some follow-up opportunities. But yeah, if you could just send the link, I would greatly appreciate it. Commissioners, again, um, if you have any questions of me or Dr. Mohammed or Commissioner Emerson, um, you know, feel free to shoot me an email or any one of us an email, one that doesn't no reply all to ensure if you have any questions about some of the present workshops that we attended, or if you'd like to know more about the workshops that were attended by us. All right, moving on to agenda item number three, which is our, um, our commission uh, committees, um, we do have those listed um, in the email that I know Dr. Muhammad sent out. We wanted each committee to kind of come together and self-select into a point of contact for those groups to set up your meeting times after we adjourn uh, with the business of this meeting. So um, hopefully um, we all did our due diligence to reach out to our fellow commissioners to organize and and get that situated. So I'm not going to leave us to have the conversations about that at this time. Hopefully you were able to do that. And if not, you'll have time after we adjourn after this meeting to, to, uh, to, to get that um, organized in some capacity. Um, I do hope that you take advantage of, of that time to, to, break, uh, to go through some of the notes that were shared and just to have some initial dialogue about what your work could potentially look like. Um, again, based on the PowerPoint, not looking to have any type of concrete uh, recommendations or expectations, probably not until our August meeting. So um, I don't think there's a need to be in haste to present something, but at least to have that conversation in order to dialogue and um, see if everyone's at least on some type of um, ground level of understanding as far as what, what each subgroup has been tasked with. So does anyone have any questions in regards to your subcommittee, your committee work? I keep saying subcommittee, but it's committee work. All right, hearing none, then we will move. We have no other commission items in C, but we'll go ahead and move to public comment. Is there anyone from the public that would like to provide um, comment this evening? Not seeing none online. Dr. Muhammad, do you have anyone in person that would like to provide public comment? Uh, Ferris Mohammed, Director of Equity and Inclusion. I'm not seeing anyone in the room here in, in, in person, but it looked like uh, Chris Flowers have a hand raised online. Oh. Mr. Flowers, you do have the floor. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers, and I'm just wondering what's going on with those couple of ordinances um, I've asked about earlier in the, like back in 2020 about um, the ban on topless women and also about public urination. Basically, I'm giving up on the public urination. I, I'm just gonna focus on the topless women right now. Um, we, I believe it was delayed for the city gate study. The city gate study has been done and I don't think there is anything about those ordinances. 
I think it was all just the prosecutors just delaying it. But I don't think the prosecutors want you guys looking at ordinances. Um, I, I just ask, what exactly was the point from last year? I mean, didn't you all start meeting once a month because uh, at the time Mayor Ananda like challenged y'all to start looking at ordinances for inequalities or something like that? Because I ended up bringing up that that a ban on on women being topless is sexist and it's not very trans friendly because how do you know so if someone what someone's gender is just by looking at them so if someone's topless you don't really know if it's a guy or, or a girl like what they identify as so that's not trans friendly at all and i can and then in october i i told you all that um no, I, I came with October about it. And then it was, you all were going to look at it in December. And then December, it was, well, we can't look at it now till CityGate looks at it. CityGate didn't look at it. I think it's just prosecutors delaying it because they don't want y'all to, they don't want you to change the system that they put in place. So I'm just, I don't know what else to do. I think you all should be able to look at an ordinance that is not it's sexist and not trans friendly and i think it says that part of the re, the human relations commission also works to study discrimination and other matters that may have an adverse impact on human relations in our community so if the prosecutors try telling you well you're not tasked to look at it i think you sh you are tasked to look at it i mean just from what the word the, I don't see why you can't look at like the topless ordinance ban and just look at the merits if it's sexist or transphobic at all and just let the the city commission know your findings it doesn't mean you're changing anything i don't see why you can't just look at an ordinance so i just wanted to share that with you and just let you know i don't think that that put it off till the city gate study was done. I don't think that was like a legit reason. I think it was just to delay and hope you guys forget about it. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Flowers. I, I appreciate your, your comments. And I do remember uh, the discussion we had starting in October in regards to public nudity and, and the uh, public urination ordinance and some of the groundwork that Ms. Afoka originally started with us on that in regards to the infractions and, and at least what what data did we have from the prosecutor's office as far as those infractions? So um, definitely um, delayed, but not forgotten. I think what you have shared is a wonderful opportunity for our committee that's doing work on chapter 10. Um, it gives them something to consider and, and again, imagine what that could look like. And if there's opportunities for a recommendation, like you stated, um, in regards to policy and processes. And so, um, I think what we, if, to, for a lack of better words, I think there was an opportunity because we've had so many commissioners come on board since then to give us a little grace to acclimate ourselves, um, which is what we did in January. And then, you know, February, it was, you know, negative, ridiculous outside. And so we did not meet. And so, you know, we're kind of getting our wheels back on, on going again with a, um, full board of commissioners and, and having to navigate that. So again, I don't think what you had um, shared was 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 uh, left on deaf ears. I think it's an opportunity again with any of the committees that are, are, are doing work this evening to pose that question and to have dialogue about it. So I do again, appreciate you reminding us of that um, and, and keeping us accountable to, uh, to the work that as a commission that we we do, should do, and could possibly do in the future. So thank you for that. Are there any other individuals from the public that would like to provide comments? All right, hearing none, commissioners, do we have any good of the order or anything we wanna share before we adjourn for this evening to go on to committee work? Hint, hint. All right, hearing none, 
Commissioners, thank you for a spirited conversation and dialogue this evening. We are adjourned at 7 p.m. Look forward to hearing about some of the committee gossip from later on this afternoon, this evening. All right. Take care, everyone.